Welcome to the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. My name is Shmuel Tenenhaus, and this is my podcast. Now, a lot of you are asking, where has Shmuel Tenenhaus from the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast been? Have you been in hiding? Have you been abducted by aliens? Could be other stuff. Are you in Guantanamo Bay? What happened to you? So, I have amazing news to share. Number one, my wife and I had twins. This is not a joke. This is real. Second other exciting piece of news is I actually switched from Geico to Progressive and got a much better rate on my car insurance. Even though Geico has been saying all these years, you know, you can get, you know, call Geico, you can save 10% on your car insurance. I actually did the reverse. I switched from Geico to Progressive and I sent, and I, sp- I actually saved money on my car insurance. Call Progressive, by the way, mention the Schmoll 10 Nose podcast, and they'll give you a steep discount. They may just give it to you completely free just because they love me and they love my podcast. So uh, right before I mentioned the savings on my car insurance, I mentioned that my wife and I had twins. So why did we have twins? Why can't you just be like everybody else and have a single baby? Well, the answer is because of inflation. Everything is double right now. Now, I just and my wife and I just have good foresight and we knew the babies would be born during an inflationary period and so we planned for twins. Now, I do take almost none of the credit. My wife was the one who did all the heavy lifting, literally, because she had the babies in her stomach and she was lifting them while she walked around. So I guess we can say she truly did all the heavy lifting. Now, naturally, I've been very busy. My wife is very busy. We're doing different things and That's why I haven't been able to record a podcast for a couple of weeks. But uh, what I want to tell you what I've been up to, I've been uh, started injecting injecting myself with hormones right now and hoping to grow uh, a pair of breasts or two. And that's just because, number one, there is a baby formula shortage. And number two, again, there could be an overall food uh, shortage. I'm not taking any chances or risks. Uh, you know, it came recommended on the internet and I bought it. And uh, who knows, next time you tune into a podcast, uh, it may just be like, hello and welcome to the Sheila Tenenhaus podcast. I'll keep you posted on this little experiment. So one of the most uh, heartfelt things for having baby or babies in this situation is having to say goodbye to old friends and it is a little gut-wrenching and wanted to share with you some personal information about some friends I had to bid farewell to. Uh, first of all, first of all uh, a little of a rough breakup with an old friend of mine called Hygiene now that we're so busy uh, and wrote a little note, uh, Dear Hygiene, We've been good friends for so many years. I relied on you 
we were flossing, we were showering on a consistent basis. Uh, but that's a thing of the past right now. Uh, we have babies now that have to be raised, and this is not a priority for us right now. A pro tip for anybody who hangs out with me in person, you probably should be wearing a mask if you don't want to uh, smell <clears throat> my odor because, again, it's very busy right now. I also said goodbye to Daily Minion. It uh, was nice. We had a good run. I loved the Shoal Coffee. Mondays and Thursdays, we had Kriya Satera. Loved coming in there in the morning and uh, doing what I got to do at Shoal. But next time I'm there, it'll probably be by my twins, Bas Mitzvahs. Now, a big topic when you're having children is the wife goes into heavy nesting mode. For those of you who've been there or who have not yet been there, I want to break it down for you to explain what nesting is. So what happens is, as an adult, while you're adulting, you start taking excess money that you have and you put it in a savings account. And that is called building a nest egg. At some point in time, you do nesting. Nesting is when you take a hammer and smash that nest egg because you have to buy new things for the house to get it all ready. Now, the egg, obviously, is the egg that makes the baby, which is why it's a nest egg. And then you go into nesting mode. The next thing I want to talk to you about is a priority when you have babies is to get a night nurse. The reason why you do that is because you want to get some sleep, which is important. You want to be getting at least eight, eight minutes of sleep, sleep a night, and that's where a nurse will come in. Now, when you get a nurse like I did, or like, like we did, and it's early on, so it is a little of a catch-22, because on the one hand, we have a nurse. On the other hand, now I'm up all night wondering how we can afford to pay the nurse. So I'm still not getting sleep, but we do have a nurse. Once upon a time, we had twins actually before, and we robbed our savings account to pay for lots of help. And I told my wife, we've been saving money for a rainy day. And right now, it is effing pouring outside. We're kind of in the same situation right now. So as we talk about having children, I've been contemplating who is it more stressful for, my wife or myself? On the one hand, my wife has to schlep around or had to schlep around two babies in her stomach and then deliver them in a hospital. That's pretty stressful. On the other hand, as a Jewish man and husband, my responsibility is building that baby bassinet 
that has about three steps in total. It's a toss-up, in my opinion, as to who has more stress. Because, again, these are three steps. Uh, it's pretty much pre-built when I took it out of the box, but there are three steps that I had to do. It involved a wrench. I could mix up the order, and the bassinet won't look good. So everybody right now is dealing with stress. Next, if you're not familiar, I wanted to talk to you about a doula. You must get a doula. A doula is critical for your wife or you, if you're the wife, having a baby. A doula is typically a woman. And what she will do for you is she will tell you during labor, push, push, push now. Also, the doula can count down from five backwards. Five, four, three, two, one. So again, if you want a professional there, not a doctor, not a midwife, not a nurse, not the husband, the doula's job is to say, push, push, count back from five. The other great thing about having a doula is as a man, whenever your wife asks you a question, for the duration of the pregnancy, you can say, honey, I'm not an expert at this. Why don't we call our doula? We have our doula to answer questions. Great resource. I find myself doing it. And now whenever my wife asks me any question that is just related to finances or grocery shopping, I just say, why don't we just call the doula? We had the doula before. She was so good at counting and pushing and telling us to when to push. Then we got to ask her a question. One of the hardest things I had when my wife was in labor in the hospital was I was going through a lot of drug envy. They, they were bringing her nitrous to inhale, which I've had done uh, once when I had my wisdom teeth removed. It was excellent, highly recommended. Not the wisdom teeth pulled, but the nitrous. And then she's got the epidural. They're coming in with codeine all the time. And so telling the nurses, like, you know, I'm also very stressed. I have this bassinet to, to build after the fact. And you just come in here the whole time and you're offering my wife drugs. What am I? I, I don't get anything. Throw me, throw me a little nitrous. Give me a little, uh, give me some pills. Give me something, Epis. You know, we're on the same insurance plan. It's covered. So I really struggled with that. And... uh I'm curious if anybody else there can relate. The next thing we'll talk about is baby naming and how that whole thing works. And typically, you know, the way it works is my wife will say, what do you think about this name? And I'll be like, that's a great name. Let's go for it. But sometimes, and I'm not saying this happened to us, sometimes you can have couples that do not agree on what the name of the baby should be. And that could lead to a lifetime of resentment. And this is where I do think uh, the trans community or some of the transgender progress we're seeing could be very helpful for the Orthodox Jewish community. Let me explain. Let's say a baby is born the wife 
wants to name the baby after her grandmother, whose name was Esther Sterna Yenta. And she's called Yenta because she, she, was, she didn't shut up her whole life. She was constantly goss- gossiping. And to commemorate that, you don't want to forget that. You also want your kid to be a blabbermouth. So your wife wants Esther Sterna Yenta. The husband, he wants to name the baby Gedaya Gumber Achashverish because, one, he liked Ambil Gedaya Gumber, and also he's just madly in love with Perm. So they're at odds. The wife says, Esa The husband says, Gedaya Gumber Achashverish. What do you do? You're at an impasse. So normally, this would just be unresolvable. However, if the child is named Esther Sternayenta and the wife gets her way, but then the child grows up to be an adult and in the 20s, the child decides, hey, I'm sick and tired of being an Esther Sternayenta. I just want to change my gender. I want to become a man. At that point, the husband then will get the name Gedaya Gumbarachashverish and say, listen, we're okay with the lifestyle changes that you made. You're an adult. You're in your 20s. You want to change your gender. We support you 100%. All we ask of you, Esther Sternayenta, is now you change your name to Gedai Gumbarachashverish. And like this, the husband's happy, the wife is happy. And so I'm not suggesting that every family do this when there's an impasse. And obviously, it's the decision of the child ultimately. I'm just saying here to open up everybody's narrow mind in our community, this is something that could potentially offer solace. I know that we're dealing with some shortages every day. The only thing there's no shortage of is a story on shortages. And people are freaking out. There's no tampons. There's no uh, baby formula. There's no cars. There's just no, you go, you go try to buy things on Amazon and it's taking more than three days to ship to your door, which is awful. Whoever thought we'd come to such a place. I do have a rather bold uh, solution for shortages and it's not politically correct and I'll be called a racist and a homophobe and just an evil person, but I'm going to go out there and just propose this. And there's no going back now, so I'm just going to commit to saying it. Here's what I think we can do to combat shortages. Buy less shit. Uh, It's a novel idea. And again, I know I'm going to get flack for for it. It's not the American way. But I, I do think that if we buy fewer things, there will be fewer shortages. Next thing I wanted to talk, uh, it's been on my mind, is many times I'm walking with a Jewish friend and we're walking on the sidewalk or on the street. And the friend who is with, with me will point to a large retail store and say, hey, did you know that the owner of the store is Jewish. Now, typically when somebody says that, I'm like, 
that's cool. That is just so amazing. That just made my day because, you know, I, I woke up this morning saying, God, like, if you're there and you're real, like, I want somebody to be walking down the street and just randomly point out that a store or a department chain is owned by a Jew. And so that's great. But next time that happens to me, I really want to take it to the next level. What I want to go is I want to go into the store, fill up a cart, like a shopping cart of items. And when it comes time to pay, just say, um, don't forget uh, if you can just please add that that, uh, Jewish discount there. And they'll be like, what are you talking about? They'll be like, well, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the owner of this company is Jewish. I'm Jewish. So that entitles me to at least 10 to 15% off. And just see what happens. Now, if I get a discount, it's great to know that the owner of this company is Jewish. Now, if I don't get a discount, I don't know why it would ever be relevant anymore to know whether or not this guy who owns the department store was circumcised. Again, show me the money. Otherwise, again, it, do- it doesn't do me any good. I want to know what's in it for me. We've uh, gone through Shavuos and didn't have a chance to address some of the fun on Shavuos, but it always amuses me that there is a tradition that is age-old and is accepted for everybody in the community to gorge themselves with dairy. And it's funny because Ashkenazic Jews and also Sephardic Jews, because it's really uh, one thing at this point, we get lots of stomach issues, Crohn's. And so this holiday seems a little counterintuitive to our well-being. To me, this reminds me, you know, that if I had to give a metaphor for that, this would remind me of if you had a tribe full of albino people and they had every summer beach day. Like, it is not healthy for a tribe of albinos to go to the beach you know, on a consistent basis. Same if you had uh, a family that was allergic to peanuts and then you had on the calendar a holiday for them that they would go visit the Bamba factory. You're just playing with fire. So I don't understand. There there have been times on Shavuos where we're there, there's, there's a dairy meal and all of a sudden I don't see these people after the dairy meal like until after Yontif or a couple of days later, and they were in some public restroom that they found while walking to Shoal. And, you know, the fire department had to come. They went to the emergency room. They got their stomach pumped. Just be very careful next year. Just a public service announcement. With everything that's going on with the economy and housing and the recession, I wanted to talk to you about another tech pivot, which I think is brilliant, is Zillow is now showing and featuring park benches, which is a brilliant concept because, number one, there are going to be more or there are homeless people. And so 
up until now have just been so discriminatory where people who lived in houses could go on Zillow and see where they would want to sleep. But if you're homeless, where do you even go? And so one, Zillow is now catering to that demographic. The second thing is op great opportunity for the city to monetize their benches because they probably have some sort of rev share deal with Zillow. And I also think this is a great idea to solve some of the inventory or shortages that we have. Now, Zillow is doing a discovery process for some of these benches in the city. And I think it's a win-win for everybody. Wanted to also talk to you and uh, do a little self-promotion for my new startup. It's in the fintech space and it's, uh, it is BNPN which is, stands for buy now, pay never. And I think it's going to be wildly popular because everybody would like to buy things and never have to pay for it. Also think that this startup of mine is going to achieve unicorn status very, very quickly because the growth and the demand that people have to just buy stuff in general and then to never have to pay for it, huge. The best thing is, is that, you know, I'm going to be working really hard with the Biden administration or whichever administration ends up being in, in the next while to come up with some sort of bailout for the people who bought nothing and don't have to pay for it whatsoever. Uh, not only do they not have to pay for it, it would be great if they we sent them money just if there's a merchant that doesn't accept BNPN. Now, with the buy now, pay never, what happens is you can make as many installments as you want. You can you can pay nothing, you know, every month. You can pay nothing every quarter. It just it's extremely f flexible. Which, when you're developing software, it's very important to have it in a way where you have this amount of. Uh, it's just very dynamic. That, that's that's the term I was looking for. Now, I wanted to talk with everybody a little about relationship advice and getting along with your spouse because this podcast is, for the most part, intended for uh, Jewish men. So this is to you. Now, this could be very applicable for non-Jewish men and for non-Jewish women too, but again, know your audience. I'm speaking from my own personal experience. Here's, here's, here, here's how it goes. When your wife asks you an innocent question, it's not always going to be very innocent. Specifically, let me give you an example. I've, I've witnessed this and I've been through the same experience. You tell your wife, you know what? I'm going to make the challenge this week. And you don't even have to sneak in ketchup or honey. You're just going to follow protocol in the house. No ketchup, no honey, even though it gives really the flavor. And you're just going to make a chalent, a plain Jane chalent. Now, what happens is you committed, you offer this up. And your wife is like, hey, that's a great idea. Now, what happens is Friday comes. You completely forgot. You didn't renege. You just completely forgot. Or... You really didn't forget, but you're just hoping that there's so much food and there's so much tumult going on in the house that your wife is not going to remember. Really, that's what you're gunning for. 
what happens is at 4 p.m. your wife says, hey, honey, or hey, babe, or hey, watermelon, whatever code name your wife or cute name that your wife has for you. And she says, and she asks, are you going to make that chalant that you mentioned you're going to make? So this is the question that I'm warning about. This is not an innocent question. She's not saying, will you or will you not make the chalant? Because you might think this is a yes or no answer, a yes or no question, answer type of thing. No, it's not. What your wife is saying is, hey, douchebag, we've been married for a while. You don't contribute anything in this household. Earlier this week, you opened up your fat mouth and you offered to finally do something for Shabbos. And that was to make a chalant. It's three and a half hours left to chalant. It, sorry, it's three and a half hours left to Shabbos. If you do not make this chalant, I will completely lose it. And if you thought I was crazy up until now, you're going to see what crazy is about, and guess what? You deserve it. My point is, is that this is a sounds on the surface like a very innocuous sounding question. It's not. You are chalant committed. You make the chalant. There's a sense of urgency in that question. This is not like, let me think about it. Maybe we should and maybe we shouldn't. This is not even a discussion. The second that question gets asked, the game is over. She remembered you committed. You make that chalant. Okay. Next. I want to talk about the term black sheep. There was a term black sheep in the family. There is a new term in 2022 that is more politically correct and I feel a lot more accurate to describe somebody who's the outcast of the family. So instead of saying, hey, is he the black sheep? The, the new way to say it is, yeah, that guy is completely nuts. I, I believe he's the Hunter Biden of his family. Now, obviously, this is just an opportunity for me to crack a joke. But the truth is, I do think the Republicans and the, the right wing has just been completely nuts and exaggerating this whole Hunter Biden thing. And I don't have to go through detail by detail. It's just political drama. It's theater. But what is what, what happened here? Hunter Biden made millions of dollars from foreign countries because of his connections. Okay, you know what that, that demonstrates to me? He's a great entrepreneur. There's an opportunity. He has connection. He worked it. He monetized. Next. Part of the allegations are that he gave his father a cut. And he gave him a piece of the action. Again, all that tells me is a Hunter Biden is a mensch. You're using your father's connection. You're using the Biden's name. Of course he's going to give his father a piece of the action because he's a mensch. Next. He was cheating on his wife. Yes, of course that's one way to put it. But the other way is he's testing her resilience of the wife. Is she tough? Can she handle it? It's the real world out there. He doesn't want to. But again, you have to understand that people have to be put to the test. And crazy things can happen. 
and he's just testing. He smoked crack. Do you know how big of an issue crack is? There are crackheads. When I lived in Seattle, there were crackheads on the street cracking their heads into each other. And what Hunter Biden essentially did was made sure that fewer people have access to crack by smoking crack. So he basically took one for the team. He consumed that crack. Nobody has that crack now. One crackhead has spared the crack because Hunter took the crack, took the, the crack to protect others. And so again, this whole idea, Hunter Biden this and Hunter Biden that, and that's what the next election is going to be, complete hogwash. So the next topic is we're going to talk about Shabbos gifting. So when we host, and it's going to be a while until we host the next one, but people always say, what can we bring? And my wife is always like, oh, you can bring like wine or flowers. I always say the same thing. What can you bring? Cash in an envelope or an Amazon gift card. I don't want your sushi, sh your sushi salad. I know it's amazing and I know it's your signature dish, but I can't pay bills with your sushi salad. You're going to eat a little bit at the table and then I'm going to have to put it in my fridge when there's no room for anything in there? Come with cash. An envelope. Before Shabbos. It could be a check. You could post-date it if you want to. We're in a recession right now. I don't go to the grocery store and pay for the groceries that I'm going to feed you at my table with a sushi salad. That's just not a good currency. So why not come with a check? That would be the best Shabbos gift. And I really want to move the world along in that direction. You're bringing your family of eight, $18 a head. Do the math. That's what we do. Suggest a donation for eating our house for Shabbos, $50. Whatever that is, let's do it. The other thing is, on the flip side, obviously, I never want to bring cash to somebody's house. I will find the cheapest bottle of wine or grape juice I can find. Now, sometimes... The bottle's been opened already. Sometimes it hasn't been opened. Now, there is a big risk if you buy a half-decent bottle of wine that the meal you go to or the host that you're going to be hosted by are just god-awful. And then you'll have just wasted a whole bottle of wine, adding insult to injury. So my hack is, what I do is I go to their house. I keep the wine with, with me in a bag like my tallest bag or a different bag that I'm walking with. Now, if the meal is solid, at the end of the meal, I'll be like, hey, totally forgot. We got you a bottle of wine. Here's the wine. If the meal was not good, uh-uh. I'm going to walk out with that wine. And that way, I didn't just pay for my bad meal with a bottle of wine. Now, I wanted to go back to our roots. In the beginning of the show, I used to read from a self-help book. It's been a while, and I'm so sorry for that. Clearly, I need a lot of help, which is why I'm reading all these self-help books. Now, I did want to pick that back up and read a quote from a book that I'm reading called The Body Keeps the Score. 
it's about trauma and childhood trauma. It was a great quote. I read it and lots to think about here. Here we go. Imagination is absolutely critical to the quality of our lives. Our imagination enables us to leave our routine, everyday existence, by fantasizing about travel, food, sex, falling in love, or having the last word. All the things that make life interesting. Imagination gives us the opportunity to envision new possibilities. It is an essential launchpad for making our hopes come true. It fires our creativity, relieves our boredom, alleviates our pain, enhances our pleasure, and enriches our most intimate relationships. So there you go. I'm only 30 pages in. I'm reading about, I'm averaging about three pages a week. Um, I'm in fast mode right now. And a very fascinating quote, in my opinion, about the importance of imagination. I do want to mention that we will be ending the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast season two. So season two is coming to an end. The next time you listen to the Shmuel, pod, Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast, we will be in season three. The reason why we're ending the second season is because same reason why we finished the first one. I don't feel like I achieved enough, so I want to pretend like we have seasons and this is the end of a chapter so we can start the new one. The other thing is there are people who have never heard about the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. Am I blaming you? Yeah, you probably should have been doing a lot better job marketing this on my behalf. Now, if you're going to tell somebody, hey, listen to this podcast, they'll be like, yeah, I'm going to get it. It's good. Is it new? Is it not good? At this point, you can say, dude, this guy is already on his third season. That creates the highest level of FOMO that you can imagine because, again, people are coming and they're showing up really late. I will welcome them with open arms. But again, they're not here at the ground level. You are here at the ground level. We Next episode, we are going to be season three of the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. Now, two more topics here, if we can get to them. Number one is one massive pet peeve of mine is when Fortune 500 companies or really any large profitable company is doing panhandling. So what happens is you go to a store, you pay for the items that you can barely afford, and then the screen says, would you like to make a donation to this and this charity? It just happened to me at Walmart. Walmart is a billion-dollar, gazillion-dollar enterprise. I'm Shmuel Tenenhaus from the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. I have to shop at Walmart. Why are you asking me to make a donation? Like, when I shop at Walmart, do I tell the cashier, hey, my show is doing a fundraiser for the mikvah. Does Walmart want to kick in $18? If I had money to begin with, do you think I'd be shopping at Walmart or Five Below? Again, it never ceases to amaze me how large companies have the audacity to ask people while they're checking out to make a donation. One, it's socially uncomfortable. Two, again, the people that are shopping in your store, 
can't afford any better. You think I'm at five below because I want to be at five below? I just can't afford to take my kids to Target. So I'm at five below. Now you want me to make a donation? Then how am I going to pay for my stuff? Which one is it going to be? The last thing I want to end off with is I've noticed that during this inflationary recession downturn bear market of a world that we're living in everything now costs a minimum of $500 that is the new threshold so for example if you want to get a manicure pedicure if you have hands and feet it's going to be approximately $500 because manicure will be like 180 the pedicure 180 and then there's a service fee you just pay 500 let's say you go out to eat in a restaurant you want to get a main course another main course let's say you get up to 400 the maitre d will come to your table and say listen you ordered a main course she ordered a main course we added a tip we added another tip we added another tip you're at 400 but right now everything is a minimum of 500 dollars so we're just going to have to add 100 to your tab to make it $500. If you wanted to get airline flight somewhere, hotel, everything right now, your kids are going to a birthday party, need to buy a gift, you go to Target, there's, or you go to Five Below, you go to Target, you go to Walmart, it's $500. If you start thinking about it right now, you go to the kosher grocery store, you take some cheese in a package off the shelf, you get some fruits, you get an army magazine. That's it. That's, that's $500. Anyways, it's been real. I love you all. I hope I made some of you laugh and cringe at the same time. We will be back next week for season three of the Schmoll Tenenhaus podcast. Thank you so much.